Welcome to the Moments That Matter podcast. I am your host, Laura Escamilla. And I am your co-host, Isaac Escamilla. So today, our goal is to help parents with rising seniors who are preparing to apply to colleges in just a few weeks. Actually, next week, according to when we're recording this. And um, we're going to go over step one, if you will. The college application process can be really overwhelming for both the students and the parents. Can you give us a little bit of an overview on what parents and students should do to prepare for the application process? What we're going to do is we're going to go over, like I said, step one, which would really be the resume and getting your list of schools together. So these are the two things you need to do when you start the application process and will be extremely helpful in filling everything out. We're going to focus on the parent's role in supporting their senior through this because this should really be something that the student is doing with guidance from the parent. You don't want the parent sitting down and getting all this done alone. The student really needs to take ownership of this. So when a high school senior is applying for colleges, their resume is really important. It should highlight their academic achievements, their extracurricular activities, volunteer work, work experience and other relevant accomplishments. I'm going to break that down just so it's very clear on what needs to be on there. First, we're going to start very simple personal information. You're going to want your full name, contact information, which is the phone number, and an email. We talked about the email in a previous episode. And for the email, what we mean is try to procure, if you don't already have an email, that just includes your first name and last name at whatever domain that may be. We want it to be professional. We don't want it to be nicknames and that kind of thing. We want to designate an email that's professional for this. And then we're going to go on to an objective. So an objective or summary on a resume is optional. However, it is a good way to summarize your career goals in school. And you may need to write this out and reflect on it later on in the application process. For example, our son who is going to Baylor, he wanted to study business. A sample of his objective for the resume that he created was a driven and ambitious high school senior with a passion for business, excited to embark on a transformative academic journey at Baylor University, aspiring to join Baylor's distinguished business program. I aim to cultivate a comprehensive understanding of the corporate landscape, honing my skills to become a future leader in the business world. This is an objective that he expressed interest in studying business in college. He also touched on the college's business program specifically and that he wanted to be an active member in the community at school because that is one of the really important things to Baylor and what they look for from their students. So you kind of want to touch back to the school you're applying to and meet that need. After the objective, you're going to want to list your education. Obviously, that's going to be your high school, your anticipated graduation date, your GPA. If it's above a 3.0, you don't necessarily want to start advertising if you're not the best student, but and also list relevant courses or special academic achievements if you're honor roll, AP classes, that kind of thing. And you want to list again your ACT and SAT scores if they're good scores and you're going to include them in your application. Extracurricular activities, clubs and organizations, student government debate, robotics, that kind of thing, sports teams, athletic arts, music, theater, choir, and include any leadership roles you have in this area too. Then you're going to do volunteer work and community involvement. And here you're going to list all the volunteer work you did in the community service that you participated in. You volunteered at an animal shelter. You want to include not just that you worked at the animal shelter, but how many hours you put in every week. For example, if you did five hours a week of volunteer time, you want to put that, you want to 
show how much time of your week is going into doing this so that schools can get a good idea of how much you devote to doing this. Is it a good idea to include a lot of detail with regards to how much community service or how many years you've been in band? Right. Are those a factor? I would put, if you're in band, I would put the years that you're in band, the 1920 academic year, 21, 22, 22, 23, that you're showing the level of commitment. And that would be the same for volunteer work. You want to put a volunteer once a week for 21, 22, or however long it's been, because you want to show that that's how your time is being spent. That's really what the college is looking for. They want to know that you're able to do other things outside of academics and still be successful. Also work experience. You want to list if you have a part-time job, if you did an internship, if you shadowed a doctor or what have you over the summer, you want to include all of those skills that are relevant to a business program like we discussed. If you shadowed somebody at a bank, you want to make all those notations. I would also not overlook if a student is babysitting their siblings or helping grandparents, if that's part of their weekly schedule or things that they're responsible for, because you want to show responsibility and hours spent doing that. And then skills and qualifications, language skills, if they're bilingual, computer skills, relevant certifications or licenses. Sometimes they get certified to be lifeguards or do CPR training as part of a class or Excel certifications as part of a class. You want to include all of those things. And you also want to go over awards and honors. So academic awards, scholarships, recognitions. This is where you would kind of break this down. For example, if you were the drum major in a high school band, you would list the band under activities along with being a drum major. However, here under the awards and honors, you would list if you were an all-region trumpet player, if your band went to nationals and that kind of thing. That's what you would list under awards and honors. For our son, varsity golf team, that was listed under activities and all the years that he participated. But his junior year, the team placed at an area tournament and they went on to the regional tournament. That information would be here under awards and honors. Okay. So you would break that down. And then projects and any research, including independent projects and research that are outside of school. And this is where you'll read a lot of articles about passion projects. More students do this than they realize. If they do anything independent outside of school, for example, if they're an artist and they paint a mural for a church, if they participate in a play outside of school, if they help somebody develop a website or an app, or if they organize a group to distribute holiday gifts or meals or organize a recycling effort, those are all projects outside of school. I'm also thinking of the production team at your church. Right. If you're part of the streaming team, you're part of the camera crew. Right. Audio, video engineer. And I think and, that that over the last few years with COVID and everything, a lot of um, kids have stepped up to do this and help. I know some students might help someone who's not very active on social media with their companies or business, help take pictures, or like you said, at church, just helping with the production of those things. Now. Absolutely. I've, I've met quite a few and maybe they even have their own podcast. Right. <laughs> so all of those things should be included under this projects and research outside of school. There's also an interest in hobbies area that you should list on your resume. Briefly mention hobbies that you have that demonstrate you're well-rounded. You want to note that if you love to read, if you know several languages, 
if you play an instrument outside of school, you're not in band, but you do play guitar. That's very common. Students have other skills that they don't really demonstrate at school. You want to put that under interests and hobbies. Like the School of Rock. Right. We know some people. Some kids have this outside hobby. You want to start giving admissions officers a sense of your personality and what you can contribute to the community in college. And you're going to list a references section, but you're going to include that they're available upon request because you're going to have to get more in depth with this. Just keep a resume concise and limited to one or two pages. Do format it. Do something clean. And you'll have to know that not every school, not every situation will call for a resume, but you do want to have it tailored to every school that does ask for it. You want to go in there and fix that objective to be very specific to the school you're applying to and the program you're applying to when they do ask for it. But you'll have the bones. You'll have the structure of it here. Okay, so the resume is supposed to showcase your strengths and what makes you unique. And it'll help the college admissions team get an understanding of who you are, what you've been able to accomplish, how you manage your time, and the contributions that you can bring to the campus or the campus community right. at large. The point here is that when you start applying on paper, a lot of students are going to look the same. They're going to all look like we all have a 3.9 and we all have AP classes. This aspect of your application, this information that you're putting on your resume is what's going to distinguish yourself and make yourself a little different from everybody else. That's the objective here. The next part of this process before you start applying to colleges and you start filling out everything, you want to encourage your senior and you want to help parents want to help their seniors develop a list of colleges that they're going to apply to. The last thing you want is to start the application process and it gets to the point where you have to figure out where you're going to send these applications in the Common App or Apply Texas and your student hasn't decided where they're going to apply and go to school. You want to make sure you have all that information ready. So develop this spreadsheet. You're going to have to do some research on this too, but it's better to do it before you start the application process. So how do I know what schools I'm going to include on that spreadsheet. Students should start creating a list of colleges that meet their goals academically, that meet their goals socially, and that are also a good financial fit for the family. So there's going to be quite a bit of research. And this is where we're going to first start the spreadsheet very simply. Start the college name, where it's located, um, the website. You want to keep track of everything, the type of college, if it's a private university, a public university, Liberal Arts College, you need this information for the future, and it's going to determine a lot of stuff. You want to note their application deadline. We had previously mentioned in another episode, early decision, early application, rolling admissions. You want to keep track of all those deadlines. Make sure you have it all together on a spreadsheet. You also want to know their application process. As I mentioned before, there's a common app, there's Apply Texas, and there's some schools that have their own application system. For Baylor, when Lucas applied, we applied straight through Baylor. We didn't do Common App or Apply Texas. They have their own system that they prefer. They accept the others, but they prefer their own system. And they ask their own questions. So you have to know from the school what their preference is because you're going to have to do it separately for each school. Is one app better than any other? I wouldn't say that that's the case. It's just the school has a preference on which they'd like. There was a situation a couple years ago where some of the schools like the University of Texas at Austin and Texas A&M 
they preferred Apply Texas and didn't accept the Common App, but that's not the case now. The schools share this information on their admission pages. This is part of the research, then usually it's the first thing they list. And then they'll say, we do accept these other things too. You would recommend that they look at the website and the students fill out the preferred type of right. application. That's what I would suggest is use the preferred method. And that is going to mean that there are several applications and several systems that they use. So that's why you keep this spreadsheet. You want to know when you go into Common App, all the schools that are Common App. And you want to go into Apply Texas and know all the schools that are Apply Texas so that you have them all on a list already. On this spreadsheet, also include the application fee. And on the admissions page, it'll be very clear what that fee is. $50, $75, because when you go into Common App or Apply Texas and you submit, you have to be ready to pay these fees. That's important for you to know before you start the process. Okay, so it's one app, but several fees depending on, on this, how many schools school. you're going to send it to. Correct. So if I want to fill out an application that is common or apply Texas, I fill it out that one time and I pay one for each of the schools in Texas that I'm sending the application That to. have a fee, right. And right. there's a lot of cases where you'll get a waiver, either the school, you've showed interest already and the school will email you and say, we're waiving the application fee from this time to this time or using this code or the school will give you a waiver. That happens too and that's if you have a waiver, use it. But keep note of what the actual fee is so that you're not surprised. That's really what this spreadsheet is so that you are not surprised in the end when you start getting to this process. It's all about preparation. This is all just to prepare to start applying for schools. You also want to know their admission requirements, what their ranking is. We've also discussed that, that on our junior year episode. You want to know what their class rank is. You need to get that off their transcript. You will be asked for it on the application. Your test scores, ACT, SAT scores, you want to know what the school requires to get in. If they do require it, if they're test optional, you want to note that on your spreadsheet. If they have GPA requirements, you want to note that. And then also, if the school wants letters of recommendation, this is a big part of the application process. Letters of recommendation, you want to know if the school requires it, how many they require, because this is also part of the planning process. Your student should go ask somebody to be a recommender for them before they put their name down as a recommender. They want to get permission and the teacher or counselor, whoever's doing these letters of recommendation, should know in advance and have plenty of time to plan properly. It should not be a surprise. I recommend what we did with our kids. I had our kids go ask their teacher or their coach, somebody that knows them. For example, if they're a music major, they want to ask their band director for that letter. If they're a business major, perhaps they ask their business teacher or their math teacher. Also, if they have a teacher who is an alumnus of the school, they want to ask that teacher because that teacher can account to what the culture is at the school. And if the student is a good fit, they can speak to that on a letter. Again, when our kids did letters of recommendation, I asked the kids to go ask in person. Don't send an email. Ask in person if you can. If the teacher or coach or whomever agrees to write the letter, you want to give that teacher a list of schools that they're going to be asked to provide references for. So that's where this list comes in. You want to be pre prepared to say, I'm applying to one, two, three, four, five schools and I'm going to put your name down. You also want to give them a copy of the resume that we worked on so that the teacher, they may know you, they may be your coach for soccer, but they don't know that you did all these things in band or that you did volunteer work. Or all, all the these other things. things about you all the other things about you because they really just know one thing about you. So what I'm hearing is that it's really important to cultivate relationships with even the folks that are outside. Like if you participate in maybe the School of Rock program mm -hmm. to whoever leads that to have a good relationship right. with them. 
for the church, for church volunteering, have a good relationship with right. someone at the church that can vouch for you and speak for you. And actually for any extracurricular, anything you've already going to put on the resume, it's important to have a good relationship so they don't feel right. maybe ambushed or obligated. Right. You, they want to in earnest say, yes, yeah. this student is incredible. We love having them around and they do great things for us. They can do great things for you too. Right. And because it is extra time on their behalf to do this for you, you also want to be considerate and you want to provide them with all the information that you can so they're not trying to guess or make things up, right? Like I said, you're going to already have this resume done, so you're going to hand it to them. And they're going to know all the stuff about you. And you also want to give them enough time, three to four weeks minimum in advance. The other component is that once the teacher, coach, or whomever agrees to write the letters of recommendation for them, the student should collect the person's information, their full name, because sometimes they just know them as Mr. Escamilla. They don't know their first name. They should know their full name. They should know their actual title on campus and get their school email address. This is the information that they enter into the application system. And the system will email the teacher so that that letter of recommendation can be uploaded. It's very rare that the teacher is going to hand the letter to the student anymore and it go through the student. It usually goes through the school system. So another part of this application process is knowing your major and the program that you want to participate with because a lot of universities, depending on where you're going to go, they have program specific requirements. So you want to know what that is. For example, for our son, like I said, business major, we learned that he had to go in as a pre-business major. and competitive. Right. And he had to complete two years and he had to have specific courses completed before he could officially be a business major. And he had to have a 3.0 or higher in these classes. Then he had to take these kind of weed out courses like business calculus and accounting, and get above a 3.0 before he could actually be a business major. They have to go through the process. It's not immediate. You can't just declare that I am a business major. So you want to know that at your school. If there's other requirements, sometimes the program-specific things ask for additional information before you're considered to declare that major. And the biggest thing is tuition and financial aid at that school. You want to put that on the list. You want to know exactly what that's going to look like for you and your family. You want to note if the school offers merit-based aid or scholarships. And as we had discussed before in another episode, if they need to have ACT scores or SAT scores to be considered for this additional aid. We strongly encourage taking an ACT and SAT so that they have something to measure. Right. Something that they can so that if you need it, you have it. That merit scholarship. Absolutely. And you want to research how many students at that school receive aid so that you know what your chances are of getting aid at that school as well. If your child wants to go to a school out of state, that's a different tuition rate. Out of state tuition is different. Or if they have financial aid for out of state students, you want to look at the total cost of attendance at that school, not just tuition. Because there's room and board, there's a lot of things. One of the other components also is keep track of campus visits or anytime the student interacts with the school representative. Keep track of those dates, any tours that were done, any interaction at college fairs. There's a lot of schools that, as part of the admissions process, track how often the student showed interest. So you want to keep note of how many times that's happening. And if your student can ask for the person's name when they interact with them, like, thank you for your time, Mr. So-and-so, and and just make a note of what date that was, where it was, who it was. 
that was a tip that was given to us right. by uh, an I, alumnus. Right. When our when our daughter started our first time doing this, that was the basic tip. Show interest and keep track of all the interest and in who you're meeting with. And it served us well, you know, two times around. So I definitely suggest that. Also for the school on that spreadsheet, you want to put the size of the student body. You want to keep track of the class size. If that's important to your student and they're not aware of it going in, this is a good time to learn that. If they work better in small class sizes, 25 to 1 ratio of professor to student, they should know if they're trying to go to a school that is more of a 100 to 1 situation. You should get that information as you're doing these lists before your student applies. So they really have to think about that, especially with undergrad classes. They're full. They're huge courses and they have to determine what works for them. So make note of that. And the acceptance rate, how many students apply every year and how many get in. And if there's a difference between early admission or early decision, you want to know what that is. If they accept more students from those processes, you want to know going in. Right. And that, that is something like. we did discuss in a previous episode. Uh, right. For junior year. Junior year matter. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is where it all comes into play. And also housing options. You want to know if the school your child is applying to, if they're required to live on campus the first year, what the cost of housing is there. If they can live off campus, start making notes of what apartment complexes cost because you don't want to be ambushed. Your child got in and now you have to pay 2000 in rent every month or parking and those kind of things. Those are all financial considerations when you're getting these lists together. And you also want to know if it's important to your child if the school has activities. Are there rec leagues, club sports, sorority, fraternity life? Intramural. Yes. If it's important to your child, you want to know that this school has it or not. And you want to make a column in your spreadsheet of the application process. You want to make note, we've not started it yet. It's in progress, submitted, just to make it easier for you, especially if your student is applying to a lot of schools. You can apply to five schools. They can apply to 30 schools. You don't want to get overwhelmed. It it will help you track the status. And again, this ties back to having that singular email address that is sort of dedicated to this process, an email address that is clean and professional, first name, last name, or first name dot last name, whatever Mm -hmm. is available. But you won't get that mixed up with your other email and you can focus on the status. You can focus on any information that they may be requesting and hopefully that email that says that you're in. Right. Definitely. So these are the two biggest things that I would recommend as we start. You need to know what schools that you're going to be submitting applications to when you start the process. Again, you don't want to be caught off guard once your student's in the middle of the process, not knowing what to put down, randomly selecting schools. And you also need to pay attention to any fees that are required when you're starting the application. You should get all that information. So again, the Common App and the Apply Texas will not really ask you for the resume, but all the information that we collected to get into that resume will be asked in the application. So if you already have it, you've already done the research, you've already put it all together on a sheet of paper, it's at your fingertips. So as you're filling out these applications, you already have all the data collected and it really will ease the stress on your student as they're going through this process. And I highly recommend these two steps before you start doing anything. Also, for parents, you need to remember that your job is to be supportive, to offer guidance um, on this journey because it is very stressful. And you also want to empower them, take the reins on it. They should be doing the research and figuring out 
what they're looking for. And you want to communicate with them. You also want to talk to them about their goals. You want to make sure that you're being honest about your financial situation and what they can afford, where they can afford to go. You want to encourage them to be independent, be realistic with their expectations. We also previously talked about reach schools, uh, dream schools, but you also want realistic schools and you want to have that conversation with them and be supportive along the way, encouraging. And you also want to help them manage their time. These are important skills to learn. Yes, indeed. This uh, sounds like a lot, but again, this is the preparation. This is the way to get you started. But once you get the journey started and begin that resume, it's going to inform your application process and it's going to inform your decision-making right. as to where you would be the best fit. Right. Now, and and it does feel overwhelming trying to gather all this information. But you only have to do it once. But you'll only have to do it the one time. Once you get it done, you're not stuck, like I said, halfway through the process trying to gather more information. And also you can do it at your leisure. You're not on a time crunch of submitting. And once you have all the information collected, it may be that your student researches the school to add them to a list and figure out that it's not a good fit better to know ahead of time. And it's better to know now before you start doing essays and you start writing all these things and you determine this is not a good fit for me. Indeed. You should Would know you that before. recommend that they reach out if they're not 100% comfortable with putting that resume together? Maybe get some help from not necessarily a professional resume builder, but a friend, a family member, somebody they know they can help them refine that resume. Would you recommend something like that? For sure. So I would definitely have the student Talk to an ELA teacher, a counselor, another adult in their family who could look over a resume for them and just give outside input. Sometimes when you have looked at it a hundred times, you don't catch everything. So have somebody else look over it for you. And also when they're putting together these lists, if you know anyone that's gone to these schools, ask them questions too. You want to get a good idea of what that life is like and ask questions and Parents that have done it before are going to be more than willing to share that information. This podcast is a testament to that. Everybody wants to be supportive of those students throughout this process. Everybody who's already done it realizes that it's stressful. So it's important to, to go through, through these steps. And this will be very helpful as you start the application process. And coming up soon, we're also going to discuss the actual es essays and what that looks like, because for every application, there's essay prompts. And as you select the schools you're going to apply to, those schools may have supplemental essays that you um, would need to do. And I want to say that if they offer a supplemental, write the supplemental essay because that means they're looking for additional information. So do it. I mean, just have it done. Great. That's good information. Now, just as a preview, those supplemental essays, are they optional? They usually say they're optional, but as we discussed with the applications, go with what's preferred. If they didn't want the information, they wouldn't put it out there. Got it. Uh, to so if, if it's optional, do you it. should probably do it. Yes. <laughs> if it's optional, do it. Better safe than sorry. So that concludes this episode of Moments That Matter. We'll be back soon with guidance on college essays, so stay tuned.